This portion of the podcast is sponsored by the Retro Video Store Podcast. The Retro Video Store Podcast reviews the classic and not-so-classic movies of the VHS era. Hosts Eric and Neil, and sometimes David, try to capture the feeling of renting a movie off the shelves of a mom-and-pop video store or the thrill of catching a scary movie on the cable late at night with your friends. Everything from classics like Poltergeist to cult favorites like Lone Wolf McCade are covered. Pop some popcorn and settle in for a humorous blast of nostalgia on the Retro Video Store podcast. You can catch the Retro Video Store on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and most major podcast providers. And thanks again for the Retro Video Store podcast for sponsoring this portion of the episode. Welcome everybody to episode 65 of the True Tech Podcast, the podcast where you get your tech reviews and all your tech news. In this episode of the True Tech Podcast, I'll be talking to Brian Tong about the future of Apple and how it is um, running a podcast and a successful YouTube channel. Um, If you don't know Brian Tong, he's a really, really big guy in tech. He's been the host of CES 2021. He also has a pretty big YouTube channel as well as a a really popular podcast as well. So go check him out. But this is my conversation with Brian Tong. All right. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for coming on today. Oh, thanks for having me, Jalen. Appreciate it, bro. Um, So for those of you that don't know him, he's one of the biggest guys in tech. Uh, So you've got a YouTube channel, podcast. You know, I've been watching your stuff for quite some time now. Yeah, um, you know, for people that aren't familiar with my stuff, it's just youtube.com slash Brian Tong. Um, I recently, nah, I guess it's not recent anymore, but I'm almost around the three-year anniversary of going completely independent. Um, I used to work for a tech website called CNET for 10 plus years, and then I left to kind of do this hustle and make it work. And so far, it's it's coming together. I mean, I still have a long ways to go, but um, I'm enjoying the journey. But, you know, you can find me... T- Specifically, a lot of my audience, you know, they follow me for the Apple stuff, but I cover everything from Apple products to Samsung to Google to TVs to speakers to headphones. Um, I love tech. It's it's in my DNA. I'm part of the culture of it all. Um, obviously, I'm deep in the Apple ecosystem as well, but I like to take a more balanced approach to them while being a fan instead of just blindly being a fan. And um, I th- it's just we're all lucky to be able to talk about, enjoy, and have these devices. And I also have a podcast that kind of covers Apple stuff as well. So you can find me in, in all those ways. All right, yeah, so go check them out there. Um, but what's your daily driver right now? Daily driver is the iPhone 12 Pro, just because I am deep in the ecosystem. But I would say my favorite phone of 2020 was actually the Samsung Z Fold 2. I thought that was the most amazing piece of hardware and they actually did really great things with the software to make it its own unique device. You know, that that was probably the most exciting device of the year for me. It's still a little too thick to be in my pocket because um, I wear skinny jeans. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> so all y'all fashionable skinny jean people be like, oh, but um, I love that device like wholeheartedly I and it still has a long ways to go so I'm actually really curious uh, I feel like this year with the Z Fold 3 it's going to be more of a software evolution but um, 
it's still at the top of my list. I love the iPhone. You know, I it's I love the cameras on it. Um, I am deep in the ecosystem. It's ease of use, how I transfer files back and forth with um, AirDrop. But I thought the best product of the year, the most innovative and actually useful uh, was the Z Fold 2. That's actually pretty interesting because most tech enthusiasts like the best of the best, uh, like the iPhone 12 Pro Max. I'm actually su- pretty surprised that you're using the iPhone 12 Pro. I'm not using the Pro Max. Um, I, I'm, I've never been a big, big phone guy personally, and so uh, I just like how the 12 Pro feels. I did obviously review both the 12 Pro and the 12 Pro Max, and I was hoping that the 12 Pro Max might put me over the edge because it had, you know, the optical image stabilization and a slightly better camera, but um, it wasn't enough. Where again, these devices, whether you talk about this, the, the S20, the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra arguably from a functionality standpoint actually is my favorite camera. Uh, It does so much that I wish the iPhone did and it's still really good, but I do tend to like the overall um, color accuracy and more natural tones that the iPhone um, takes, but I don't use a Pro Max just because it was too big. And uh, the optical image stabilization on the 12 Pro is good enough. It's the 12 Pro Max is definitely slightly better, but uh, maybe that gets fixed with the 13. So. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a 12 Pro guy, not a 12 Pro Max. Sorry oh. to let you down, Jalen. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I'm right with you there. Because right now, I'm using the 12 Pro uh, as well. And I was thinking about getting the 12 Pro Max, but like, I'm not a big phone guy either. And the 12 Pro just seemed like a pretty good option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think it's just for me, it's perfect. It always comes down. Look, I think any phone always comes down to the user and what you prioritize. So... Um, in that case, right, it's the best for your use case. Some people absolutely love the mini. I think over time, it's harder for me to use the mini as a daily, but I, I could see it maybe on a quick fun trip where maybe those skinny jeans are even skinnier than normal. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think that it, it always, whether brand, whatever device you're looking at, uh, honestly, I mean, it sounds weird. I don't really care. It's more about just what makes sense for you. Right. For me though, I usually find that the battery life on the 12 Pro isn't the greatest. I usually find myself getting between five to seven hours, Uh, but I'm not sure how much battery you're getting out of the iPhone 12 Pro because the Max is certainly better. Well, here's the thing, right? I think that COVID and the pandemic has actually changed how much I use my phone. I think I actually use my phone a lot less than I used to. And so it's actually hard for me to measure I probably, I don't, the good thing, I guess with iPhones, I don't, I kind of honestly even measure it as how often do I have to charge my phone per day? And it really comes down to, I can get through the day, and when I mean day, probably around like 6 or 7 p.m., where my phone, depending on what I do, maybe has like around 20% battery left. So if I can get through the day, I don't, I actually, I don't think about it too much, but I know if I was out and about like we used to be, and using my phone a lot more, I probably wouldn't make that. So it's battery life usage is a little harder for me to um, measure because COVID has changed how we do things for them or how often I, at least I personally use my devices. So you must, that when you say daily driver, I feel like that iPhone 12 Pro for you is like your go-to, go-to device most of the time then. Is, is that, that's what it sounds like then, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still pretty dependent on my phone, whether it's uh, doing work or 
um, checking emails or whatever. I'm I'm still mostly on my phone still during the mm-hmm. pandemic. Um, I'm I'm not sure about you though. Yeah, I mean, again, it just it's always kind of weird. Like, no user's situation is gonna always be the same, and so that's like you're probably using it honestly way more than I am. And just because I'm more like on my uh, laptop writing scripts and stuff like that, that I'm I'm using that more than I'm using my phone these days. Right, right. Um, so what did you think about uh, the April, the March event that turned into possible <laughs> April event? Because for me, that was really interesting how Apple, you know, tricked all the leakers into thinking that this event was going to be in March. But actually, it was, I mean, for now, we, we're all thinking it's going to be in April. Yeah, you know, I think that was... It, it shows, here's the thing, right? No matter what, Apple leakers and Apple news, there's so much hype and energy around it that it's interesting and it's fun to talk about. So everyone's expecting something in March, even though it's not never officially confirmed, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like all juiced about it. But I always have to, I always say like, these are unofficial. I, I personally, I don't like it when people use the word confirmed or don't use a question mark yeah. when it's absolutely not. And they just do that in, Guess what? I know people are in the business for like clicking on things and getting their stuff seen, but there, there has to be even something as subtle as that. Like pose it as a question instead of saying event confirmed. I mean, I saw major outlets even saying it was confirmed, and I'm just like, okay, this is this is definitely like stupid to me. But I think that we, you know, honestly, I don't. Maybe we see something next week, but I don't know if we're even going to see something in April. And it sounds weird because. Someone even told me last week, they're like, oh, something's dropping this week in April. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not going to, I'm just going to wait on this because I don't believe anyone right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the yeah. fact that Apple was able to, from what it appears, maybe mislead and misdirect some of the top leakers to say March just to kind of try on their end to maybe almost find out who's leaking what to who. I think that might have been part of it because honestly, there's part of me that likes to be surprised, but part of you and part of me also because we cover this stuff on the weekly we right. we do want yeah. stuff to leak out and to talk about as well so um i think no matter what whether there's leaks or whether there's not um the energy behind them is all the same and uh the fact that we have wwdc coming now on june 7th um i would be surprised if we don't hear a single peep from apple um whether it's an online announcement or not but that's still two more months to go before we hear anything official from apple I've got yeah. to imagine we'll see something. Maybe it's in May, but I, it, I'm not putting my bets on saying it could even happen in April anymore. But we'll yeah, yeah. I at first I thought it was gonna come in April, but um, now that they released a date on WWDC, uh, which is June seventh, um, I I got my hopes. You know, it's not too mm-hmm. high anymore uh, since they put out that date. But uh, Apple has been doing some really strange things over the past few weeks, like promoting. Uh, some other tile-like trackers on their website when they might be releasing AirTags. It seems very unfamiliar uh, of Apple for me. Well, you, you know, part part of why we're seeing an Apple that is different and evolving. So let's, let's take, <clears throat> for example, something like the HomePod, okay? So for the longest time, the HomePod, when it first came out, it didn't support any type of third-party uh, music streaming service other than Apple Music. Well, that's changed now, right? They got in a lot of beef with, uh, even though Spotify is not officially supported natively on the device, 
Um, you have things like Pandora um, and is it Amazon Music? I believe so. But you have other services that at least can now be controlled directly through the HomePod. That doesn't happen if they aren't in an antitrust case or sorry, an antitrust lawsuit or going into court over in the EU for possible anti-competitive behavior. That doesn't happen if they're not getting pressure from the court. So you're starting to see that happen. But then also now, to your point, they just announced, okay, we're gonna start supporting third-party devices to be used directly in the Find My app, which now allows companies like Belkin, companies like Tile, anyone really with some sort of Bluetooth tracking to now be able to be plugged in into Apple's Find My app and ecosystem where that, I've never seen that happen with Apple ever where they open up a clearly a platform that was made for them and just just out of the blue, just kind of do that with an official announcement before an Apple AirTag product is even announced, right? We know that something is coming, but they haven't even actually announced the product for that platform. And so to me, that is Apple now trying to plant these seeds. So when they go, when they have, you know, testimonies in court, they can say, well, actually we aren't anti-competitive because we've opened up things like uh, music services on our devices. We've opened up things like now third-party trackers can work with our stuff. They've even gone so far as giving people access to the actual U1 chip in the iPhone. And we know that ultra wideband is a lot more specific and precise in tracking where these devices are. They, I believe in the press release, they said that U1 capability ultra wideband um, for these tags and trackers will be opening up for third party companies in the uh, later in the spring. So there's still time to get that. But the fact that Apple is basically saying the find my platform is open for everyone, whether it's a Bluetooth tracker or a ultra wideband tracker in the future, I would have never, I would have never expected that. But that also shows how they're really trying to show that we are uh, friendly to all companies and that hasn't happened before. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's really strange to be seeing that from Apple, but um, it really uh, makes makes me wonder what's going to be coming in future uh, software updates from like iOS 15, watchOS 8, iPadOS 15, etc. Um, and what Apple is going to be bringing to those uh, software updates in WWDC. Um, so, what are you expecting from Apple uh, in that event? And are there any kind of uh, products that you're excited about? Well, I was gonna ask you that same question. So I'll, an how about this? Let's do this. I'll answer one and then you tell, I'll tell you one of the things that I'm excited for. And then I also wanna hear what you're excited for. Cause maybe we like, we have thoughts off of each other, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Um, I would say WWDC 2021, the things that I wanna see the most personally are probably the two products that are, other than the M1 chip, the two products that I'm most excited about from Apple's lineup are still, the iPad Pro and the Apple Watch. But I felt like the past year is those two products kind of plateaued from a feature standpoint. And I know that hardware always drives some innovation and software always drives some innovation, but they kind of work hand in hand. And so they're typically we see like, oh, Apple does a hardware upgrade. Then the next year is like a software upgrade with new features, then it becomes a hardware. Well, I would say from the series four Apple Watch to the series six, not enough has changed hardware wise um, yeah, there's software tweaks, but nothing has changed from the hardware side that has really made me say, oh, I, I've got to upgrade. I, I still have my Series 4. 
I did not upgrade to a five and I'm glad I didn't. I didn't upgrade to a series six and I don't feel like I've been missing anything. And so, you know, as someone who follows this and is a tech reviewer and also like is pretty deep in the ecosystem, it's not common for me to wait for year three to actually upgrade a device. So I'd like to see really more than anything, even if it doesn't affect me from the Apple Watch side, you know, they're already the number one selling smartwatch and it's only for iPhones. I really want to see them open up the Apple Watch where we don't need to set it up at all without any phone, meaning right now it's really dependent on the iPhone to be set up. Um, But I know that they can do this. If they can just say, hey, if you have an iCloud account and we know that you don't have to be an Apple user to get an iCloud account, that they could create some sort of web portal to set up an Apple Watch with those credentials and just do it on the web open it up to Android users, open it up to every single user possible so that it does not require anything but logging into a website to get it initially set up. Like that, that would be, that would blow the Apple Watch open even more than it already is. So I think that I'd like to see something like that from a software standpoint because WWDC is software, I'd like to see that. So that's one of my things. I don't want yeah, to talk about yeah. two. I want I, I want to hear what one of your things is. All right. So one of my things is probably the next gen um, M1 Max. And mm-hmm. I actually have three products that I'm pretty excited for. Like you said, the mm-hmm. new Apple Watch, because that can really open up a, a whole nother audience for this kind of product. So there's the Apple Watch, the next gen M1 Max, as well as the upcoming... I don't know if it's going to be coming anytime soon, but the AR glasses mm-hmm. from Apple, those I'm just uh, pretty hyped yeah. about. Do you wear glasses? Uh, no, I, I don't wear glasses. Yeah. But I, but I would that's, just... That's cool to yeah. say that you're hyped up about it, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of AR, so just seeing that from Apple, it's probably going to be pretty exciting. Yo, man, I mean, if we can get Minority Report here um, sooner rather than later... Uh, I'm, I'm all about that, man. I'm all about that. Yup. Yeah, same for me, too. I'm a Apple Watch Series 4 guy as well. Um, I, I haven't really found the need to upgrade, um, but I'm really looking forward to that Series 7 that might be coming with added mm-hmm. benefits, specs, better battery life, all of those features. You know, it's just really exciting from an innovative perspective. And which is probably what a lot of tech enthusiasts are excited for. You know, I mean, you talk about the AR glasses and really when someone says, oh, what's the next jump to computing? I'm, I mean, I feel like it's the Apple Watch, you know, could really, I love the Apple Watch because, and I bought a cellular version and I do because I like, I'm a little old school and sometimes I actually like going out without having to, like I stare at a screen so much now yeah, that yeah. when I go out or if I want to disconnect, I want to really disconnect and I don't even want to look at a, uh, a phone. And yeah, our phones have become our cameras as well. So I might take my phone out, but let's say if I, I go hang out on the beach or something like that, I don't even, I don't even bring my phone. I just bring my Apple watch and you know, I've been able to quote unquote, not even the word survive is stupid because this is a first world problem, but having <laughs> just an Apple watch to get notifications and be able to take calls and still be connected without being in your face connected. I think that's really important, at least for me. And so I love the idea of how the Apple watch can be that. And, and also the fact that they can pour so many more health sensors into this device. Um, it may not affect me personally yet, 
but eventually I'll need more access to those health sensors. And I, and there's a lot of people out there that absolutely need um, those health sensors today. And so I think it's such a, to me, the, the next step of where does the phone go from here, it, it really goes to your wrist before it even goes to your eyes. You know, I, I think more, we'll see when that transition happens, how many people are willing to wear glasses because not everyone wears glasses and not everyone wears watches, but more people probably wear a watch versus people that wear glasses. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. That that could be a wrong statement, but I I, I, I think that's probably true because more people wear contacts than they wear glasses. So I don't know. We'll see. Yep, we'll see. But even though I'm not much of a glasses wearer or someone who wears glasses, um, I'm, I'm pretty much open to anything that Apple, you know, makes like a new product or anything. I'm pretty open to using it and wearing it, wh- whatever that might be. But uh, so let's talk about iPhone 13 um, or iPhone 12S, as some people are calling it. Uh, what features are you looking forward to on this mm-hmm. device? Um, I mean, I, th- I think it's an it'll be a nice upgrade. I I'm not expecting much, quite honestly. I'm, I'm expecting a a normal refresh and um, we'll see how good the camera is. It's still gonna have some level of a notch. 120 hertz refresh doesn't get me amped up. I mean, from a standpoint of, I love. I actually love it on something like an iPad where I can really see it and it, it, it matters. But on a phone, it kinda matters. But I don't think that as time has gone on, I think 120 hertz refresh rate is nice to have, but it's not uh, a necessity. It's kind of more one of those specs that you just gotta have by now because they're so far behind from that, from from an Android standpoint. And so it makes them look, you know, at least in the uh, tech world, it makes them look f- far behind because they've been, tra- I mean, I feel like 120 hertz has been out at least for even two or three years now, depending on how far you go back with phones, even a 90 hertz refresh rate display. So. Yeah. That's something that they just have to do, but it doesn't make the phone more appealing. It's just like, okay, you, you checked off a box that that matters to the tech world, but if you ask 100 people, how much does 120 hertz mat- matter for you? Just like if we randomly polled 100 people, I bet you on the streets, maybe four or five people would say it matters. You know what I mean? Like I, I most people, when I think about the general consumer, most people don't even know they don't even care and it's that five percent of tech person that maybe let's say seven percent of that audience that's a real hardcore techie that might really really care and then maybe half of those people say yeah i need a 120 hertz refresh rate so i just don't think it's as important to the general public as it is for us um but you know, I, I say, hey, iPhone 13, cool. Just gives me an opportunity to make another music video, because <laughs> like that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's what I want to do. I already got, I already have it actually ready in my head. Um, oh so, wow, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it takes time for me to hear a song and then find a song that I feel like it can be the next song for the next music video. I did not do one for the iPhone 12 because we were in pandemic. Yeah, and it's it's honestly it it takes a lot of resources and time for me to actually from scratch you know you gotta write a song you gotta perform the song you gotta record it then you gotta get my buddy who can sweeten the audio so it sounds like blended well and mixed and then i gotta come up with a video concept idea then i gotta shoot the music video and lip sync it and then you gotta edit i mean just to make a music video i i really it's a fun process but it it probably takes like 
geez, I don't know. If I had to say from start to finish brain power and work power, it's probably like at least a two week process. Um, and at the same time, you know, like doing content, you've always got to be putting out some content. So I can't just like disappear for two weeks to make a music video. I just got to do it like in pieces and chunks. But uh, I mean, I got something, I got something ready to drop once the new, once the entire new Mac lineup comes out, I've been sitting oh, on man. something for literally a year. Wow. Uh, literally a year. But hopefully it still feels fresh when it comes out. So I had to change some of the lyrics on it. Like, it's just, you know, I, I feel like there's ways, to, you know, I know you do, you know, podcasts, you have a YouTube and everything. And I think that there's, I've learned to, it sounds bad. It's probably not the smartest strategy, but I don't care. Like, I got to enjoy the process because if I'm just grinding the entire time, it doesn't become fun for me anymore. And right. I've always kind of, prided myself on saying whatever I do I want to be able to enjoy it and when I stop enjoying it then I need to reevaluate that you know yeah and I'm I feel that's a lucky perspective to take but I'm not even talking about from you know I was talking about when I did other jobs when I was doing small smaller jobs when I was just getting my first job I just want to do something that I enjoyed and I felt like I would learn and I love doing and then once I didn't feel that way anymore I'm like okay maybe I should change my job right yeah but yeah, I'm, I'm really going to be looking forward to that uh, music video because all your music videos in the past were pretty funny and really fun to watch. I appreciate it, man. But uh, for me, I, I mean, for me, I, I like doing podcasting. Yes. I mean, it's, it's pretty fun still just talking about tech, talking to friends. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you saying that we should be able to enjoy what we do and not just... Uh, put in all the work without having fun. Yeah, and I mean, again, like, that's why I kind of preface and say, like, we're fortunate to be in that position because, you know, I have plenty of friends and peers who, like, you don't, to say, oh, I want to enjoy my job, that's actually kind of a luxury, in my opinion, right? But I think it's a philosophy that no matter what you're going through, you know, it can help kind of drive you or direct you to, to things that you will find enjoyable. And so, you know, it to me, it's, there's some people that are like, oh, do what you love. It, it's yeah, do what you love and pay the bills, right? There, there's like two sides <laughs> of that story. And right. support yeah. the people you have to support if you have a family, right? So, so it's, right. it's always it's always a, you know, it's not like a general statement. So during the pandemic, it's definitely not been the easiest for everybody, especially during like uh, economics and jobs for people. So how has it really been maintaining a YouTube channel and talking tech on YouTube during a pandemic? How's that been for you? So for me, I think that, you know, I feel lucky being quote unquote the uh, a tech YouTuber because We've been able to still receive products for comp from companies. I've been able to still review products. I, th I think the biggest thing is that there's certain times there's things that I wanna do um, where once in a while I'd have a buddy come and help me shoot some stuff, like for example, music videos, but, um, and I don't because of pandemic and because I live with my girlfriend, it's like, uh, we're not exposing ourselves to like lots of people. That's just kind of an agreement. But I think that things for the most part, more people are home more people tend to actually be watching because there's not as much stuff distracting them. So I think it's actually in a weird way helped me, but from my own uh, making video process, you know, I'm lucky enough where it actually hasn't affected me too much. And I know that's not the case for everyone, but I do feel very fortunate of that. But just like anything, I mean, you know, I before I went independent, I always knew and 
and understood how much work went into putting in a video um, and things of that nature because I, I always knew how to shoot, write, and edit. But when yeah. I was working for a larger company, other people could do some of those things for me. Uh, I always respected the YouTube community. Once I started doing it for myself, I really, uh, my level of respect jumped up maybe like t 10, 20 times what it already is and was because of just how much it requires of someone. And yeah, there are some people that have grown to a point where they can have a team and they can have people help them, but most people are doing it on their own. Um, most people um, in general. And so I have a really huge amount of respect uh, for the, the process that goes into it uh, just to make a video. And it's always funny when someone's like, oh, it's been a few days, where's where's my video? And I'm just like, dang, like it's not that easy. Yeah. So it hasn't it yeah. hasn't changed things. It hasn't changed things for me personally. I think more than anything, it just you know, I, I've there's just a huge level of respect and that's why I'm always willing to help um, creators of any sh shape or size because you know I'm still honestly building up and growing. Um, so to me it's like there's kind of good mojo and good juju to like help lift everyone up and work with each other and collaborations are one ways to do that. And mm -hmm. so right. I think it's, it's all, it's all a process and just like, you know, you're doing your content, you just, you have to just, you keep doing it and you keep building and building and building and it, you know, it took me years to build up. Right. So, um, but it's fun. It is honestly, it is fun, but it's the most, the most tiring work I've ever done, but probably the most rewarding work I've done at the same time, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, I mean, podcasts have just been a lot easier to do mm. compared to something like YouTube videos. Uh, that's why I haven't really been consistent with making YouTube videos. It's just mostly podcasts for me. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a bit scared to go into the YouTube world because uh, that's, it's it's a lot harder than just audio but yeah you know i i think that look when we get off this podcast if you ever need any guidance or tips i mean i can offer whatever expertise i might have to offer you i mean there's plenty of other people that know way more than i do as well um but you know like don't don't feel bashful you know to to reach out to me if, if you ever feel like it but you know i think just you know just getting good at your craft and You'll, the only way you get good is by doing it over and over and over and doing some things great and doing some things really bad and learning from those bad things and then keep on getting them better and better. So it's all, it's always a growing process. You can always get, literally always get better with everything. Every, each new piece of content you post, you're always going to be able to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Practice makes perfect. Uh, but let's switch gears a little bit. Did you see that uh, interview that Tim Cook had with the New York Times? Um, I read I read some pieces of it and like some of the excerpts, but to be honest with you, the real only reason I didn't read all of it is just because he doesn't always say that much, and sometimes he does. But um, you know, we can talk about it, and if there's things that I missed, I mean, man, you you can you can teach me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was pretty surprised to hear when Tim Cook said that he won't be working at Apple in ten years. Whether or not that be surprising to a lot of people, I mean, for me, it just hit me hard that the CEO of Apple is going to be leaving soon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. I think also age comes into play. He's probably thinking, I actually don't know how old he is right now, but I'm going to guess he's late 50s, early 60s. So if he says 10 years, 
you know, we're talking about mid mid to let's say six late sixties to seventies, and he's already made a lot of money for himself, and he he can he'd probably be good, you know. Uh, he's transformed Apple into an even more profitable business than it ever has been. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so, and Apple's DNA has definitely changed with that. So now you kind of have so people will say, oh, Apple doesn't feel the same as it used to. Well, it, it can't because it's not the same CEO, but I don't think there's anyone that could have done a better job, quite honestly, with Apple than Tim Cook has, at least from a standpoint of making his investors happy, um, approaching it from a business standpoint, and at the same time, coming up with some new products that, look, the Apple Watch, they didn't know what they were really doing. They didn't figure out the Apple Watch until really like the Series 3, and now it's become just an amazing product. I bought the first Apple Watch. I was not impressed. I was just like, it's a nice notification bracelet, but it needs to do a lot more, and it, it yeah. will, but they didn't even really know exactly what direction they were going to. Now it's becoming this you know amazing piece of hardware with while also being like a health companion and ho- with hopes to get it better. So I think that 10 years, it sounds like, oh, man, you'd leave in 10 years, but when I think about his age and, and how successful he's been, you know, I don't, I think if all of us didn't have to work our entire lives, we'd be okay with that. But a lot of us have to work the majority of our life. <laughs> so yeah. if he has that option, I'd right. take it. I'd go travel, see the world, do some fun hobbies. Like, man, you know, why not? Right. Which is why I'm kind of a little bit worried about Apple after he leaves Apple, because we just don't know where Apple might go after Tim Cook, you know? Um, it just. It worries me a lot um, because Tim Cook really, really, I mean, in a way, innovated for Apple and brought it to areas that Steve Jobs might uh, might not have, you know? No, and it's, it's completely true. I, I think there's, it took Tim Cook a while to figure out what Apple was going to be under his reign. And you could see there was like a two or three year lull. I think it was around like the iPhone 6 to the 7 and the 7S where they were doing nothing special with the iPhone. It was just like, damn, this is this is pretty bad. And it was affecting, like, even Macs, there was nothing really great happening. And it takes, you know, big ideas and new ideas. I think that the reality is that if you look at who else is on Apple's roster, you've got people like Craig Federighi. You have – it sucks that I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but you basically have the guy who's heading the – Apple hardware division from the Mac side. Um, I think he recently just got promoted um, behind like the M1 chip. And, you know, so you have people that clearly can take the torch eventually. But, you know, with 10 years, they're they're not going to bring an outsider into have Apple be run. It's going to be someone from the inside. So you kind of have to look at their current leadership team and see, okay, who are the potential people that could run Apple? And I think that no matter what, Apple is a machine that even if they just made little incremental upgrades and stuck to their design philosophies, they're going to be fine. And and that showed to be true, even when there wasn't that much innovation for a, a window of time under Tim Cook. But whoever ends up succeeding him down the road, um, I think there's more than enough talent internally that they're going to be okay. Yeah, let's, let's hope so. But I wanted to end the episode on... Asian hate because that has been mm-hmm. a pretty big topic lately and you know it just got me worried well I mean you know obviously first of all no matter what ethnicity is being targeted if this was happening to anyone you know any ethnicity I'd be I'd be just as pissed 
Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's more personal, and and I I still can't wrap my head around the violence of attacking elderly people, um, and also just unleashing on bystanders. But it, it it does give you a moment to reflect and realize, just like um, you know, with the Black Lives Matters movement, and they're they are very different, but with with them, um, you know, at least the awareness of stop Asian hate, you know, racism was around in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and it didn't all of a sudden just disappear it just kind of been people were told that it wasn't right but when you have a certain president that really kind of uncorks it and gives people reason to act out on some of these things that they're feeling you know then then you see it physically manifested you know i've definitely put some support behind some of these causes it it's added a level of stress or kind of anxiety to i think the entire um Asian and Asian American community, you know, even going walking out with my my lady, it's like kind of like I'm like, man, like I have to actually kind of think about or be more aware of who and what's around me. And even if you do that, it doesn't mean that you're not going to get attacked. So yeah, um, I don't yeah. think it's going to get better anytime soon. Unfortunately, I, uh, I I'm glad that it's being documented, but quite honestly, to me was was more frustrating is that mainstream media didn't like I'm talking about news outlets, they didn't cover it until corporations started making public statements about it. I know this for a fact because I know people that work in media and I said, why aren't you covering this? Then when companies like Nike and Disney and others started putting out public statements about how they support the community and are against this violence, then local news and national media started covering it. That's, to me, that's a disgrace. Um, but yeah. also, yeah. it just reminds me of that, you know, the Asian American American experience is so different depending on what Asian American you talk to and what Asians you talk to, whether it's Chinese, Vietnamese, Japanese, Filipino, Korean, um, and more. Um, it's South Asians, and it's it's a nuanced, you know, sure on the surface to people that. Um, aren't aware of we all may look similar but the experiences are very different of how they came to the country how different groups were treated in this country when they came to this country so it's the whole idea of Asians in general and you know I've seen this typically trying to just kind of fit in without making noise has actually hurt us in this moment but I think there's a generation of young people like yourself and more who aren't going to let this stand and are going to be more vocal and are going to be more active and are, are just more aware of the racial dynamics in this country um, that it's going to take your generation and the next one and the next one to continue to, you know, be aware of what's right, what's wrong and not and stand up for what's right and be right. vocal yeah. about it instead of typically in older generations because they had to fit in and they didn't want to make noise it's actually been to our detriment, but I think that there's a balance that we can all achieve and hopefully it leads to a more aware country and a more sensitive country. But that take, you know, quite honestly, that takes generations to heal. But I, I see it happening with my nieces and nephews. They're so much yeah. smarter yeah. and so much more active and vocal about things than, than maybe I was at their young age. Yeah, here in NYC, I mean, it, you just don't know what to expect, whether that's being attacked on the street or seeing someone get attacked we always just have to be aware of these things and you know not just stand around but actually help others and protect yourself but 
thanks for coming on this episode um, of True Tech. I mean, it means a lot for me uh, to have you on the show and just uh, being here to talk to me. But uh, I, I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely, Jalen. Yeah, man. You know, I'm so happy to be here. You know, we can do it again down the road. I, I appreciate your time. And, you know, I also want to encourage you as a content creator to continue to do what you do, love what you're doing, continue to always try and strive to, to get better. Um, and, you know, just, I mean, it's so weird. Whatever happens, happens. But I know that you're a young person and you've got so much ahead of you. So just continue to follow your dreams. And guess what? It doesn't, whatever whatever that big kind of crazy idea you have it's it's attainable it's achievable i the things that i've done in my life i never thought would actually happen happened and so now it like kind of opened my mind even more so um you know i encourage you to think that same way all right thanks man hope we can do this again i really appreciate all the work you do youtube podcasts but uh see you next time appreciate it man bye all right everybody that was it. My conversation with Brian Tong. What did you guys think? I think he is an amazing creator, has great perspectives on things from Apple to general tech. So go check out his podcast, the Apple Bits XL, as well as his YouTube channel, Brian Tong. All right. Just huge thank you for everyone listening. And thanks to Brian for coming on the show to talk to me about, uh, you know, Apple, his podcast, his YouTube channel. Um, But that's all I have for this episode. I'll catch you in the next one. Peace.